Comic Bento is the original graphic novel subscription box. Each Comic Bento contains at least $50 worth of surprise graphic novels from both the biggest creators in comics and the unsung indie heroes. Plans start as low as $17.50 a month plus shipping and handling. And it brings you a new theme each month with new graphic novels to go along with it. Head on over to www.comicbento.com to check out pricing, unboxing videos, and more. Subscribers can use the promo code SPOILERS, all caps, to save $5 on all new subscriptions. This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the Merc with a Mouth, the Curse of the Strahd, the Hottest of the Harbingers, plus a Marvel versus DC matchup that you will not see coming. We talk the talk, we walk the walk, we fight the good fight, and we get Tina to take her dang ham already. Where is fancy bread? In the heart or in the head? The answer, Faithful Spoilerites, is right here at your magical playl cater device, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 660 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Hey. Man, can you believe we've been doing this for 660 weeks in a row? Or not in a row, but not pretty in close row. to in a row. We're so close to 666. Really? And I think I think we talked about this before when we hit 666. I think we we're going to do like Adam Warlock and um, Constantine, some Constantine and, and, and Blue Devil. And yeah, yeah, yeah. do a collection of the demon. The I think actually guy. probably we should do. Um, we've already did that first volume of Jack Kirby's The Demon. Or, yeah, we could do Batman. Ten we could do Lucifer. We could do Lucifer. That would be interesting to do the, since that TV show is coming out when next mm. week. When does that one Hang on. Out? I have an ad that I'm literally looking at right now. <laughs> January 25th, Mondays on Fox. Yeah, so next week. Oh, it's a Fox show? Yeah. It sure is. I don't know. Do you guys have you guys seen anything about that uh TV show? Uh I I, have I, seen, I saw the ad in the back of a comic. <laughs> I've seen key players behind the comics that it's adapted from saying that it has nothing to do with what they did. Well, you could say the same thing about iZombie. I could say the same thing about Gotham too. Well, definitely not- can say that about Gotham. Yeah. I don't know. Gotham. I've 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 seen very little about it. But it, I mean it's something that I, at least I want to check out an episode or two to see if it's any good. I, I don't think that people realize it's adapted from the Vertigo comic. No, I think, I think they're I think they're looking at it and going, "Oh, this is like Supernatural or that one uh, show from the 90s where the guy escaped from this hell and like had to go Hellblazer think- with the actual devil." Yeah, I think they're playing it down because Constantine didn't go over super well. Oh, that could be it too. What was what was that show? What was that show? In, I think it was the '90s, Matthew, where the guy escaped from hell or was uh, allowed to get out of hell if he went and captured these 666 escaped uh, demons. Do you remember We've had that? this discussion before, uh, and I don't that's, remember um, the show. That's uh, the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Ah, that's it. Yes, exactly. That's the one where Shaggy had the red T-shirt and they had that little racist kid tagging along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Hey, look, Not everybody. That the kid was racist. His never mind. Look, everybody. It's Rodrigo. Hey, Rodrigo. Hey, man. What's up? Uh, how are the How's the tale of tallest rabbit going for you? It's going pretty well. Uh, we got a lot of sales on that first day. It like climbed up the charts pretty fast, and then kind of like has been on a on a slow coast. Uh, so it's, uh, but it's pretty good. I mean, I can't, I really can't complain. I think, you know, all of the, all of the spoiler rights really went out and, and, yeah. and backed me up on this one. Now it's just, you know, hopefully, um, long tail it, it all the way to retirement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's Thanks. basically it. I've already, I've already put a down payment on a boat. Uh, <laughs> so. Is it that boat on TV where they put the screen door in the bottom and then covered it with the miracle jerk? That's yes, cool. that's it. That's it, right? I there. believe the slow coast video is right down the hall from the B Dalton in Stephen's imaginary mall. Hey, you know the B Dalton. <laughs> I, somebody yeah. else was referencing. I th- found it fascinating. Somebody else was referencing a B Dalton in a podcast recently, and I just Andy found it. His, Daly did. That's what it was. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was. I was like, ah, see, wow. somebody else still remembers B Dalton. And somebody else Julius. is old, like Stephen. Hey, shut up. Hey, look, everybody. There's <laughs> Ashley Victoria Robinson. Hey, look at that. I am so mad at you. Last you week, Jason, that was his idea. <laughs> last week's uh, Redshirt Diaries, you can find it over theredshirtdiaries.com, was fantastic. So funny. So uh, I was rolling on the floor, literally R-O-F-L. Uh, this oh, week, I'm crying in my, into my keyboard. Oh, that's really nice to say, it's actually. Such a, <laughs> it's such a sad, sad story. Yeah, well, the Operation Annihilate is a super weird episode. And yes. I think the weirdest thing about it is that Kirk spends a lot of time telling you like how amazing his brother is and how he like raised him. And then he dies and it's like, well, oh, well, we're going to move on from that. Yeah, um, I think so. Th- you know, that was something hero. we wanted. We Yeah, we really wanted to address. And, you know, we had Scott Johnson and we've we've kind of been hinting at it for the entire season. Oh, that this was going to happen. Well, if you if you if you notice, if you go back and watch, um, <laughs> you will notice that every time Admiral Williams calls, um, I blow him off. Right. And right. we don't have a very healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's trying to repair it. And I'm not really open to that. And mm-hmm. that was I mean, that was one of the things that we planned right from the beginning. Oh, and yeah. also um, the mom at the end is my actual mom. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so That's that means, great. That, that means a lot to me that she was like, yeah, I'll be your fake mom. too." <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, that closing message, I was just like, oh, my gosh, that is that is so sad. But yeah, uh, I, I can't watch it either. So, <laughs> but it's it's very it was, good. Uh, Everybody. It should was go great. It, to, it was great to see on Twitter. Like Steven is like, ah, I got I got rear at our drive through. <laughs> my life sucks. Oh, well, maybe this red shirt diaries will cheer me up. Nope. <laughs> and then it was like, maybe this week's episode of Supergirl will cheer me up. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, poor, poor son of Toy Man. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about something Spoilers. maybe a little bit more fun. And Deadpool. I haven't watched any of those things. Yeah. So Deadpool is just around the corner. I'm so excited about this. I had a, I had a dream the other night about mm-hmm. Deadpool. He showed up and he was disappointed <laughs> that I didn't, ha- I didn't remember to bring his chimichanga. And I was like, oh, my God, what's he going to do to me? He was just disappointed. And then suddenly a uh, uh, the weirdest and this is like a three part dream, but it's this is the middle dream. (laughs) The weirdest song and dance number came out where he where Deadpool was doing a rap. And then like George Clinton, the P-Funk All-Stars 
were like backing him up mm-hmm. with some j- with some like jive music. So he's rapping to seventies disco jive stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, and this was all in a classroom. So he, Deadpool was interrupting a class. Suddenly, these little old ladies erupt in like this gospel song on top of it, and it was like this beautiful, this beautiful song and dance number that was just uh, just awesome. And then I woke up, Aww. and then I went back to sleep and had the second part of my musical dream, which did not include Deadpool. But we will save that for another time. Well, no, obviously episode. you you blew the whole budget for your dreams on that first one. <laughs> oh no, I think the I think the third part of my dream is probably the most fascinating as far as a production standpoint goes. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> will we? Yes, will we, really? we will. Yes, we'll save it into the third segment because it was the third part of my dream. Uh, so Zach Deadpool dreams. Deadpool officially got an R rating uh, this past week. Some people mm. are upset about it, including one mother who uh, sent out a petition to try to get an, a PG-13 edit of the movie made so she could take her eight-year-old son to it. Yeah, she's the same parent who buys her eight-year-old son Walking Dead comics, even though people like me who work at the shop are like, don't. Yeah. Don't do that. Do uh, you know this person? I don't. Oh, okay. I didn't but know I maybe know, this was somebody know, who walked in. You know people like I know like those her. types of people. I know uh, who those people are. <laughs> I do, too. I think, Matthew, you had made a comment this week about it that was uh, that was kind of on point, too, where there's people that do those kinds of things without really thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, so an R rating. Is everybody okay with an R rating for a Deadpool movie? I would expect for- nothing less. Yeah, for a Deadpool movie, I think it's it's apropos. I mean, Deadpool has an entire issue written by Gail Simone, actually, where he's brain damaged and can't stop um, doing stuff uh, of a personal nature in not personal places. Is, is so, he touching his chimichanga? Uh, yeah. And going boingy, boingy, boingy. But oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a little gross, but it's a long time ago, so you can get over it. I think that... For me, if it is a Deadpool movie at at PG-13 rated R, I'm fine either way. I think, though, if it were like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if it were even Batman at a rated R, I think I might feel a little differently. Rodrigo, any thoughts on on this? Yeah, not to to necessarily quote ancient history, but a lot of people uh, pointed at one of the many things that were wrong with that uh, Spawn movie is that they try to go for that PG-13 rating. And, you know, a lot of people think, you know, if they just went for a hard R and made it a movie about a guy who gets out of hell and has to fight crazy monsters. 666 of them, as I recall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then then maybe the movie, because obviously they had the special effects budget yeah. for it, right? And and they, had, was, they had Johnny Legs, that right there. I mean, that's the price of admission for me. Yeah, they had the that guy and they had the pest. Um, it's the everybody same was time. there. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it! So Stop here's the it! here's the here's the here's the interesting thing, everybody. Mm-hmm. Ashley went and saw the movie already last night. That's what? a true true and scientific fact that happened. Now we're all mad at you. Well, this is something that they did both on <laughs> East Coast West Coast, and it was kind of a fan thing that kind yeah. of surprised a lot of people at the last minute because suddenly last night Twitter lit up with people who said, "I just saw the Deadpool movie." Ah. Yeah, people who didn't have um, a YouTuber who I shall not name who blew the total reveal like 10 minutes before T.J. Miller said it uh, <laughs> were probably <okay>. those people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it was supposed to be, um, you know, you go to the theater and they're going to have, quote, special celebrity uh, people show up, which if you live in New York or L.A., it's a pretty good guess um, that you'll actually get some, you know, some cool people. Um, and then. The, the guy goes, hey, we're going to we're going to do this screening. And we're like, this is not a screening. 
Um, oh, so, then, I mean, what, but what did it say? I mean, is it just, you know, it was when you've gone to, be, to screenings it, before, it just says sc- movie screening. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, this was supposed to be like never before seen footage. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and then they were like, we're just going to show you the whole movie. And then everyone lost their minds and started taking selfies. And so uh, Ryan Reynolds showed up uh, at New York. Yeah. And who who showed up at the Los Angeles one? Everybody else, I feel like. Even Stan um, Lee, right? Stan Lee was there, and he's spry, man. Um, For 90-something? 93. Yeah, he just had his birthday like a week or two ago. 94? Yep. Um, <laughs> Stan Lee was there. actually. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> Liefeld was there. TJ Miller was there. He plays Weasel. Um, the little girl, I'm sorry, I forget her name, who plays uh, Nega Sonic something something was there. The Explodey Girl. Oh, okay. Warhead. Yep, her. Grant Morrison, um, the writers, TJ, uh, Tim Miller, the the director, and then two of the producers. Well, that's cool. A lot of white guys. <laughs> and a lot of, lot of people lost their crap then, right? Oh, my God. Everyone lost their mind. Um, it was really cool. I think it was it was a Fox screening because more than half the theater was like blocked off for Fox employees. Ah, okay. Um, which was like, oh, so they only let like 50 people into this 200 person seat theater. Um, but, I think it would have been something, if like everyone was there. Did they say, okay, everybody, you're going to have to sign embargoes before you before nope. you leave the theater? Interesting. No, Interesting. but they were like, you know, guys, don't tweet spoilers. Like, you want to preserve everyone's movie experience. But like, we all had our cell phones. And like I said, everyone took pictures. And um, no, we didn't have to sign anything. So. Well, so here, uh-huh, I don't, uh-huh, I don't uh-huh. want any spoiler. I don't want any spoilers right now. I know. I'm so jealous. I was like, I saw that last night when you tweeted that out. I'm like, I'm going to kill her. I'm gonna, actually, I was like, I'm going to kill myself for leaving California. I could have been there. Um, right. So the question is, is this movie worthy of the R rating that, that it received? Yes. There is no PG-13 movie anywhere in that movie. So what, uh, what gives lang- it its, its R rating? The language and violence? The la- Yeah. And the nudity. Oh, really? Yeah, everybody, everyone's naked and everybody's bits are all out there. Wow. I did not male, expect male that. Male and female. So, and it's not like, it's not fun nudity. Oh, It's okay. like, oh, you're naked and I'm really uncomfortable by the fact <laughs> that you're naked in, in this particular situation. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, is Cicely Tyson? Yes. <laughs> how does, how does this tie in with Deadpool's previous appearance in what was it? Weapon X or whatever it was. Uh, oh, in the X-Men movie, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, Wolverine movie, yes. there is a very meta moment. There are two. One where they address in the lines the fact that um, Deadpool underwent that particular transformation and one where there is a, I'm trying to, a visual representation of that character and Ryan Reynolds gives his opinion on it. Ah, okay, cool. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, uh, February 12th is when the movie comes out. So that's mm-hmm. just under a month away. Three weeks mm-hmm. away. Cannot wait to see it. I know we're talking about it on a Zach on film. We've already got that scheduled. Uh, Deadpool has been denied release in China due to its graphic violence, which is interesting. I wonder how it's, many other countries will pick up on that. It's funny because like it's definitely graphic, but I didn't find it like it's not it's not Quentin Tarantino level gore. Mm, okay. Um, so that was something that like it's it's definitely violent. But uh, I was surprised when I saw that China band because I was like, I'm pretty sure Hateful Eight is playing there like right now. Yeah. What about <laughs> what about sequel potential? Uh, they address that in the dialogue. There is definitely room in the story for a sequel. Okay. But the, the movie ties up um, all of the all of the conflict with with a nice little button. 
And I'm, so it I'm sure that's a spoiler feel right there, right? Right. Yeah. It's no. It's be not... a little button on the end to just Deadpool no. out, yo. No. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there are different endings, though. Apparently, um, there is an after title sequence. Apparently, New York got a different one than we did. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, well, that'll give people with a chance your friends. to see. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't have friends, just go to both screenings. February is going to be an interesting, interesting month because we got Deadpool on February 12th, February 14th, Valentine's Day. February 15th is the last episode of Gravity Falls. And then I want to say what is coming. Is there something coming out on February 20th um, or 19th? Anybody know? I want to say there's another movie that just popped up that I was like, ooh, that looks like it is... Um, it is something that people will want to to see in the coming weeks. February 19th. Oh, it's not that 10 Cloverfield Lane, is it? Oh, that's what oh, it is. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's in March, yeah. though, is when that one comes oh. out. I want to um, see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it says Risen the Witch. Nope, I guess not. Hail Caesar's out on February oh, 5th. Febu- that's what it is. Uh, Hail Caesar. Oh, I cannot wait for that one. Oh, and Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Yeah. I saw the trailer for that. Looks a little weird. Gods of Egypt is coming out, guys. I don't know who's excited <laughs> oh, for that. Geez, yeah. <laughs> more uh, white people. More white people, yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, let's talk about vampires. <laughs> Got to make a transition somehow because there's cool. only one way to get into Dungeons and Dragons, and that is uh, to talk about vampires. Well, there are zombies in Ennis, in uh oh in uh, Ravenloft and Ravenloft. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So it looks like Rodrigo that Wizards of the Coast is all set to take people back to Ravenloft, someplace that it hasn't been since 1983. Uh, well, not through Wizards of the Coast, um, because they have given or sold or leased the rights to Ravenloft to third parties before. Yeah, there it's was just, the uh, board game. We've got the. Dungeons Dragons board game that was released by a different company that was uh, the Curse of Ravenloft. Well, or whatever they, it was. They've, they've given the setting to be released as part of uh, the like third edition stuff oh, as really? well. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't done by Wizards of the Coast, right. but now Wizards of the Coast has it back, or you know, just took it back, or I don't know, I don't know what what exactly. <laughs> Grab somebody by the, the head. And yep. Yep. Told them so to now we are. They're making a big deal because I believe the original. Yes. Team behind uh, Ravenloft is involved. Mm -hmm. So they're like, from the people that brought you the first Ravenloft, it's Ravenloft. The lofting. So uh, Strahd, uh, is he a character that was from the first adventure? Yeah. Strahd is the, he's the dragon at the top of the hill in uh, Ravenloft. It's just in this, he happens to be a vampire. Ah, okay. Uh, they did say that they were going to try to send me stuff on day of release, but I think some people are kind of excited about this. Yes, no? What What's your feel from going to the gaming stores? Uh, well, I mean, personally, it's interesting. I've always had this kind of like strange relationship with uh, Ravenloft because it's explicitly this like Dracula type like um, – yeah like scary monsters in the shadows type stuff, which kind of weirdly doesn't jive with D and D because D and D is a game about being like, Oh, is there a monster in the shadows? I'm going to go stab it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something that doesn't quite always fit uh, with Ravenloft 
being like that. Now, I feel from what I've read and what I've seen and what I've heard people say that this is just going to be like a very like uh, kind of Dracula slash classic monster flavored version of D&D. Basically. Uh, Something so, so Wolfman's can... running around, some mummies, yeah, exactly. some Frankenstein's. That's exactly it. Yeah, some okay. Frankenstein's. Yeah. Some creatures, creatures of the Black Lagoon, or creature of oh, the Black. Some creatures, Lagoons. some creatures. I don't of know Nike. how you pluralize it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see which direction they go with it because the whole personal horror thing doesn't always work when you have an actual wizard in your party. Um, yeah, true, true. I'm curious because is Ravenloft, and again, I, I know very little about this except from the board game and from what you guys had told me in the past, but is this in the same, is this in Forgotten Realms or is this the next county over? Uh, yeah, it's like the next universe over. Uh, Ravenloft okay. is its own world. It's kind of like Dark Sun. Uh, which has a name. It's like Buscovia or something like that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, no, it is. It does have like, it does have like a ridiculous, like, uh, Slavic made up sounding name. Barovia. That's amazing. That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Matthew, you, you actually you actually played some Ravenloft in college, didn't you, Matthew? Yeah, back in the day. A D and D version anyway. I'm not sure if it's still the same thing, but in Verovia, you'll see. The vampire lives on the mountain. By the way, everything is mountain in Verovia. Everything is mountain. There are no non mountain areas to be had. This is not actually me talking in character. That's how you have to talk to play Ravenloft. It's the law. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, actually, I think what we played was Ravenloft Two, the Ravening or something. <laughs> Ravenloft Two, Electric uh, Boogaloo, yeah, Ride but, of Strahd. Yeah, it was it was something where no matter how hard we tried, none of us could really keep up the scary scaries long enough to to overcome it. And the game does really good, or at that you know that module. I don't know what it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's a million years ago, after all. There may have been a sandwich involved, but it did a really good building up the suspense. So as long as we were staying where we needed to be in the module, and as long as Jim was on point with his flavor text, we were good. But then you'd kind of slide when we tried to do our own stuff, and everybody would basically turn into Sir Bedivere. She's a witch! You know, but I enjoyed it. I felt really bad that they didn't want to play it with me because they thought that I would be too goofy for Scary Ravenloft. So. Mm. I'm not still heard about that 25 years later. Apparently in this, uh, apparently in this uh, upcoming collection, uh, mm-hmm. you may have seen tweeted or retweeted from me a couple of times this week. Uh, the mysterious fortune teller, Madam Eva sending out a fortune. Uh, apparently she is drawing from the, uh, what is it? The, uh, Tara Coke, uh, Taroka deck, I guess mm-hmm. is how you say mm-hmm. it. Um, I guess that's new. Yeah. Taroka. Apparently, the terracotta deck. The terracotta deck. <laughs> it's made out of clay, and there's ten thousand of them buried in the dirt. <laughs> um, you can actually buy this deck when this when this uh, set releases. Um, you can buy this deck as a supplement to your gameplay, and apparently GMs can, if they decide to use it. I haven't read all the uh, uh, stuff about it. Apparently, you can draw from this and use this as part of your random encounters or to uh, randomize right. like, the the encounter a, a little bit. It's a it's the uh, random encounters that's table what I was wondering. Deck form. Yeah. yeah, kind of. That's cool. I yeah. Or like a random, like it also, I think, adds like complications to mm-hmm. not just, uh, you know, brand new encounters or whatever. It's an it's an interesting idea because 
ever since at least third edition, Wizards has been trying to create some kind of card product to go along with D&D entirely unsuccessfully. I mean, they basically, if you guys recall, like Gamma World for um, for fourth edition came, like you actually had to play it with a deck. Mm. Um, but that, I think, got one expansion. And then, and I think it was never meant to be like a, necessarily an ongoing thing. But, you know, it just kind of came and went. All right, cool. And, uh, Ashley, you have played Dungeons & Dragons, but this was out long before you were born, apparently. Was it? <laughs> 1983? I'm sure it was. Yep, it sure um, was. Do you have any, um, have you played in, in uh, Ravenloft at all? Are you familiar with it from any of your D&D stuff? I haven't. I'm a strictly Forgotten Realms kind of girl. Ah, uh, okay. There you go. All right. But I like me some vampires, so if you need an extra player, let me know. All right. Curse of Strahd from Wizards of the Coast arrives in stars stores on March 15th. Important hoping... to know. What? The X-Men villain Mr. Sinister looks remarkably like Strahd. Oh. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's an intentional sort of copying going on. I'm just saying that there's an intentional sort of copying going on. So, you know, you got that going for you. Cool. What other... Um... Um, Rodrigo, you said you've enjoyed Pathfinder a lot. No, uh, I've actually never played Pathfinder. Oh, I thought you had played Pathfinder. No, um, no. What, what other RPG systems have you guys used or played with besides D and D? If it's a superheroes game, I've played it. So that means champions and villains and vigilantes and that one terrible one. Uh, whose name always escapes me. Literally, I cannot remember the name of the game. It was so bad. Uh, and of course, I played the hell out of GURPS. Mm, okay. I love me <laughs> some GURPS because Gur- GURPS is like. Yep, I think we lost Matthew. That's how oh, good no. it is. Yeah. Ashley, what about you? Have you played some other stuff besides uh, D&D? Um, In not the RPG w- front? Does we- over here. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, does magic count? No. Not from an RPG standpoint, I don't think, but you're you're also a magic player? Uh, I have been. I don't have a deck currently because I had no money for a really long time, and oh, well, I used to spend a lot of money on that. Guess what? A new deck came out, was it today? Rodrigo? Every five seconds. <laughs> was there a new deck that came out today, or is it this weekend, or what is well, it? Well, a new, uh, the pre-release for um, Oath of the Gatewatch was, uh, is, was this past weekend. Ah, how'd you do? So I was... I actually did really well. That was probably my best pre-release. I played four games and won three of them. So yay! All right, that's nearly. Yeah, I uh, piloted a a very uh, clunky blue green deck, but it did what it was supposed to every time. So it worked out pretty good for me. Excellent. All right. Any other news that we need to cover uh, this week? Probably not. I think those are probably the big stories. Uh, Wonder Woman has a mom. Uh, Yeah. doesn't everybody have Jonah them? Jonah Hex is coming to uh, Legends of, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. This week is a big <laughs> week on on uh, CW because we got the Flash uh, now then the Arrow on Wednesday and DC Legends of Tomorrow on Thursday, so it's a busy week there. And Super- and Agent Carter. Agent Carter, when does she come back? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. No, today. On Wednesday? Today or tomorrow. Tuesday. 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 So it's already out. I'm going to watch it on my uh downloads. Cannot wait for that. Should be a good season for that. Not do, out of my time zone yet. Not yet, but um, <laughs> what uh, do you know? What we could look forward to in Agent Carter this season, Ashley? I know that they come to Los Angeles, and Howard Stark opens a movie studio, 
And um, I know that there's going to be a black guy because they have a lot of white people. And I know that Jarvis gets chased by a flamingo. All right. Well, there you go. Is Can't One Tree Hill that. still going to be in it? Oh, yes. I Which hate one is that, that guy. Chad Michael Murray. Which Agent Square Jaw McDork. He's the one the one who's in charge of the agency now that Shea Wiggum threw himself out oh, the window okay. and exploded. All right. All right. But what he stays the, in New York, so sure. I think he's a smaller part this season. But uh, is the uh, war veteran guy, the guy in the crutches, is he is he back? Yeah, he's still he's the one who comes out to Los Angeles to like open up the branch, the the SSR branch in LA. Cool. And I'm guessing Hydra is somehow involved. Or yeah, probably. Cool. And Isodyne is is a thing, too. Cool. All right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com for this and more stories, including, I think, here shortly, if Zach got his act together. Uh, The new Suicide Suicide Squad trailer is up on the site. And uh, you can find all these stories and more, of course, at Majorspoilers.com. You can also find that link to Amazon right there on the right-hand side of the page. Or if you're on your mobile device, it's all the way down at the bottom. But you click on that Amazon link. Uh, takes you to Amazon. You just buy whatever you want. Maybe it's Tale of Tallest Rabbit. Maybe it's a new big screen TV so you can watch all these fantastic TV shows that are coming out. Doesn't matter what you buy. You're going to pay the same uh, price. A little bit comes back our way and allows us to keep the lights running for another week. And apparently, Matthew, with all the ice, maybe you need the the uh, the uh, <laughs> lights on for another week. Are you guys it in that winter storm be- morning? I am not. I'm right in the middle of it. The schmucks stay, stay. were everywhere on my drive home. Every everything yeah. passes us by. We got like flurries. Like it was, it was, it it was snow was on the ground at uh, six a.m. But by seven, it was all melted. So nice. there you go. Let us do some reviews, shall we? All right. Okay. Uh, this week, I'm taking a look at Amazing Forest Number One. This is an anthology book. A little bit different uh, from an anthology book than what I've seen. It's written by Ulysses uh, Farinas and Eric uh, Freitas. Freitas? Uh, I'm guessing that's how you say their names. Um, They write all of the stories that play throughout the book. It's kind of like, it's hard to describe this book. It's kind of like heavy metal meets Twilight Zone meets Outer Limits meets, you know, whatever. It's all these are kind of a twist story on the end. In, in them, um, the main one that they um, the main one that I'll talk about, I think there's four stories in the piece is called Tank. And apparently these slimes have invaded Earth years ago. And the only way for people to protect themselves is to lock themselves away in these tanks and blast away at the slimes whenever they can. Well, these four guys have been locked in this tank for so long, a literal tank with wheels and guns and everything, not a tank in the ground. Um <laughs> that they are now undergoing some of their own changes and they're starting to go a little crazy from being inside the tank. And one of the things that these slimes do is they read your mind and they transform into people that, you know, like your loved one, your wife or your kid or your husband or your brother or whoever. And so there's this huge desensitization that goes on because these guys literally have to blow away their loved ones and they start to take some kind of perverse pleasure from it, but they hate being in the tank. Well, it turns out that the scientist guy on the tank goes a little crazy and he runs outside. But because they've been in that tank for so long and they've kind of got a little bit of slime things floating through the air and they've got their own ecosystem going in there, um, they have now become the virus to the slimes. And now they are going around walking outside and killing everybody just by their mere presence. So it's a really weird um, there's three other stories that kind of follow that same kind of uh, thought process. It's really weird. The art is very different. It ranges from stuff that is 
around the level of something that you might see from a, a Gabriel Rodriguez all the way down to stuff that you might see from a super indie webcomic, uh, one-panel webcomic type stuff. Uh, there's a thing involving an owl with a man's face that's pretty disturbing. Um, it is a different book. It's, it's out this week. I think this is a four-issue series, so there's more of this on the way. It's a mixed bag on the art from my, from my standpoint. Once you understand the way that they're plotting and telling their stories, you expect the turn, you expect the surprise, um, you know, a third of the way in. So I'm giving this three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. It's enjoyable enough, but it wasn't something that um, really knocked me, knocked me on my, uh, on the floor crying like this week's <laughs> Red Shirt Diaries did. Oh. So that's, that's a weird standard to judge it by. <laughs> yes. How does it how does it compare to the red shirt diaries? That's that's our new measure of uh, level of measurement now. Oh, Two red shirts out of five. Yes, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, you have faith number one this week. I have faith. I'm so jealous you read this. I know it's a good oh, book. Oh, right? it's a good book. This is the thing. I was actually a fan in 1992 when the, the Harbinger book came out and kind of piloted the original Valiant universe. You kids probably don't know about this, but there was one before the current one and one before that and one before that. Valiant gets rebooted a lot is what I'm saying. And I always really liked Harbinger and especially Zephyr or Faith. Uh, the mean kids called her Zeppelin because they were mean kids. And in the new Valiant universe, she's kind of a celebrity. She's like a giant YouTube celebrity person. This issue is written by Jody Hauser, really awesome art by Francis Portela. And because she's a celebrity, Faith has now created a whole new secret identity for herself, and she's hiding out in Hollywood or in Van Nuys, which may not be Hollywood. I don't ooh, know. Ooh, Van Nuys, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that's, really cool. I, that's you can too see bad. from there. But in yeah, any case, right. <laughs> she is. Supergirling in the classic sense. She's actually created a secret identity with a wig and glasses that she's using to get by in the world. And I love that so, so much. The fact that she's got her secret identity. She's not a mild mannered reporter. She works for something that's clearly not BuzzFeed. <laughs> and uh, her, she's writing an article in this issue, 10 more actors named Chris who should totally play superheroes on the big screen. <laughs> because all Chris's must play superheroes. It's apparently a law of the cartoon universe. Right after owls wear graduation caps. I love this issue. I really do. It's fun. It really plays into some of the best cliches of superhero comics but it does it in a way that feels entirely new and different. And to say that a comic feels different, you know, from, from my perspective, that's, that's really impressive. That's actually kind of hard. Uh, at one point during the issue, she thinks she's foiling a bank robbery. It turns out that she's found an illegal puppy mill and people are puppy napping. <sighs> and then they pull out their guns and they take shots at her. And she is like, no shooting at puppies. And you cut to the outside of the warehouse and you see all the gunsels fly through a window. By the way, did I mention the Faith's telekinetic? No? Okay, never mind. Um, there's an interesting kind of sub-mystery in the background. Um, I, I'm really happy to find out that the character Axe, who I've always loved and hated, is still around in the new Valiant universe. 
Uh, Faith's ex-boyfriend has his own reality show, which I think is really kind of wonderful. This is set up as a mini. This is issue one of four. I'm kind of hoping, and I'm recommending that all y'all go out and get yourself a copy so that we can turn this into a Faith ongoing because this is really fun. It's a really, really good issue. Four and a half slices of meatloaf for Faith number one from New School Valiant Comics. Also, it ends with a super cliffhangery cliffhanger. I'm not going to give it away, but it goes boom. Oh, yeah? Is it an exploding puppy mill? Yeah, it's not a puppy mill. Oh, you sorry. can't blow up puppies. No blowing <laughs> up puppies. You can explode kittens, though. Oh, there you go. Have you, have you guys played that game? Yes. <laughs> I used to play a game where you fired them out of a cannon for distance. Oh, yeah. Oh, the early no. days of online I'm a, gaming. Oh, I'm a bad person. You are. You're a horrible person. Rodrigo, what book are you, uh, called Kitten are you reading this week? I am reading Escape from Monster Island, number uh, one. Like Monster Island, Monster Island, like where Godzilla and all those guys oh. live? Oh. No. Uh, no, it's not that Monster Island. Yeah, yeah I know. I, like, I I was hoping that uh, by posting uh, the um, the solicitation information on our little like uh, dynamic uh, sheet here, and you guys could maybe read it and not have the same disappointment going into it. When I was like <laughs> Monster Island, then I open it and I'm like, oh, it's a different Monster <laughs> Island. No, this is not the Godzilla Monster what? Island. Uh, so what is so it about? It is about um, an island. 23 pages. <laughs> full of monsters. Yeah. Uh, so the, the premise is the, the government has been basically catching and putting monsters in this island to study them. Um, and we're talking like uh, any sort of like folklore or like classic monsters. So there's like. Uh, you know, presumably like giants and cyclopes and uh, vampires and werewolves and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, Matthew, did you just say Kardashians? <laughs> Would I say something like I, that? I, 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 you cut out. I was like, did you just say Kardashians? No, I did not say that. Okay. That would be mean. Okay. I said Chloe Kardashian. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, snap. I in know, any terrible um the yeah so essentially as you might imagine uh the monsters get loose in the island like basically the island has a monster side and a research side of people that are basically poking at the monsters and trying to learn more about them so the monsters get free and the research team gets taken out except for one scientist who is now leading a team back to basically get her research. Like, all they want is to get her research. They're not trying to, like, retake the island or anything. Um, it's interesting. Um, they tell you everything really quickly up front, and... Things that they seem to be kind of setting up as mysteries are also told to you very quickly. Um, there is like a mysterious figure uh, that that is like wearing all of their like scuba gear the whole time because they're all in scuba gear at the beginning because they're like, okay, we're going to have to like uh, 
swim for it to actually get into the facility. And there's a guy who's just like wearing like the goggles and the tank and everything the whole time. And, you know, you look at him and you're like, okay, that guy in the Monster Island, maybe he's a monster, you know? And it's like, seriously, it's like they stumble across the first thing and you discover that he's a monster. And it's like, oh, well, that kind of flattened it all out. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it feels pretty fast. They've got a big team of people and they kind of run through them very quickly um, they tell you everything. I mean, it's a first issue, so there's a lot of exposition to get through. But um, I felt that everything kind of went a little fast. They could have probably let things breathe a little. You actually encounter two monsters in the for, in this first issue, and it's like they could have they could have just done one, have like have it like feel like a thing, you know? I don't know. Uh, but it's fine. The art is okay. I don't really have any problems with it. Uh, probably a, uh, the sort of, uh, rare Zenoscope book that you can actually like put out and not feel ashamed if somebody comes to visit you. Um, so, uh, all together, I'll give it a, uh, 2.5 slices of meatloaf out of five. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Ashley. Mm-hmm. You've got, is this a DC book that you have? Or is this, this is a Vertigo, a Vertigo book, book that I okay. have. All right. What is it? It is Red Thorn number three, written by David Bailey with art by Megan Hetrick. Uh, this is a series that I really liked in the first issue because it's set in Scotland and it's got a cool artist girl and oh, it's right. got a, a fairy boy. And that's, mm-hmm. that's basically all I need for a good time. Matthew, I think, did you and I not do this on Dueling Reviews? Number one, yeah. Yeah, okay. With the nudity, with the male nudity in yes, every issue? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. There um, all over the place. There sure are in this issue, too. There's doing it. Uh, Thorn, the evil, pseudo-evil <laughs> godling, um, does it with a female version of the Loch Ness Monster. So that's the good time that you're in for. Wow. All right. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the first two issues, but I feel like it was a lot more of telling me why uh, Isla, the female lead, was Isla, the female lead. And I was okay with it. But now by issue three, it's still a lot of telling me why Isla, the female lead, is Isla, the female lead. And it's not a lot of anything getting done besides Thor getting laid. And that's cool and everything. And towards the end, there's a moment where you think something's going to happen, but then stay tuned next month for next issue. So, I mean, Megan Hetrick is a beautiful artist. Like, her work is really, really amazing. I would, if I could afford it, I would buy these pages and I would put them up. Like, there's nothing not worth seeing. And she really taps into that mystical element. But I think David Bailey's plotting of these issues has been a little bit messy and they try to introduce a new character that they are magically slash spiritually slash sort of time traveling and connected to in Morocco but the issue just starts out with this strange deaf boy and I mean that's cool because they do actual sign language um, and I know just enough sign language to like I was like oh I know what he's saying that's so cool Um, but they don't really imply to you like why he's important you know why he's a character to be fixated on And then they don't tell you how he's connected to the story in Glasgow, you know, halfway around the world until about the halfway point in the issue. So I feel like 
there's probably some good ideas in here, but it needed an editor to be like, hey, can you just clarify it a little bit? Um, but it's interesting enough that I'm going to keep reading it, and it looked really, really good. So I'm going to give it two and a half out of five slices okay. of meatloaf. All right, cool. Excellent. All right, I want to give it <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you, Matthew. Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can check out all of the reviews that we have over there. You can also check out the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. This week, the Major Spoilers <laughs> Poll of the Week comes from, I think, Silverlight sent this in maybe a while ago. Silverlight would... or Silver Gray? Oh, Silver Gray. That's who it is. I knew it wasn't Silverfish. Right. Ew. I know, right? Is it uh, Silver Chair? No, I know. It was uh, <laughs> Silver Gray. It was Silver uh, Surfer. He wanted to know who would win in a fight, Groot or Bizarro, which is interesting because well, it tends to boil down to a, who do you like better, Marvel or DC? And so I'm curious, <laughs> Matthew, I mean, I, I mean, essentially that's what it is. Let's take a, a DC character and have him fight a Marvel character. Yes, but this one has a very, there's, there's a semantic point that really triggers it for me. This, Which this, is? The answer is in the question. Who will win a fight? Mm -hmm. In a fight. You have, right, you have an, an imperfect clone mm -hmm. of a Kryptonian with laser vision or a tree that is highly flammable but will regenerate. The answer is clearly go with the guy with the laser vision, but that tree is going to come back after a fight. But it doesn't say who's going to kill. It just says who's going to win in the right. fight. Bizarro. Yeah. But a fight. I think Groot may actually come back for a, another fight once he regrows himself Grooty mm -hmm. in, in enough Grooting. I just went with Bizarro because, again, all he has to do is, is do his uh, flame breath or whatever that he has. Because his powers are like opposite of Superman, Jeez right? Breath. So like if uh, Superman has ice breath, he's got flame breath or something. So yeah, whatever, whichever one of his flammable powers he has, I think he's just going to ignite Groot and take him out. Ashley, what are your thoughts? See, for me, this is kind of a Batman versus Superman question because mm. Groot is supposed to be, which is something that they get away from in the movies, he's supposed to be so intelligent that the only thing that he can put into a comprehensible language for us dunces is I am Groot. So I think that if Bizarro can get the drop on him, I mean, you you two have already illustrated, you know, the simplest way in which he is going to win. But if this is like a predetermined, we're going to meet at three o'clock by the bike racks kind of thing, I think Groot might get the drop on him. But I don't want to like go Bizarro. to that high school. Right. I like Bizarro better, so I'm also going to say Bizarro. All right, Rodrigo, it's uh, up to you. Break the tie. Well, uh, to break the, the three-way tie. <laughs> Um, I would I, I would actually give it to Groot because I think that Groot could in fact um, outsmart Bizarro, uh, which is really all it takes and is not hard. It's really not difficult to outsmart Bizarro. <laughs> Bizarro kind of sometimes outsmarts himself without <laughs> anybody actually doing anything. So. It, it is a big limitation for Groot to say, I am Groot. But then again, 
all that Bizarro would really have to do in the process of setting him on fire or punching him through a wall or something is ask Groot a question, which he would then answer, I am Groot, which would then honestly confuse Bizarro, given Bizarro's tendency to not uh, exactly handle like statements of being particularly well. Um, I think uh, Groot would essentially be able to do kind of like a, a logic puzzle that like disables a robot by only saying I am Groot and basically taking Bizarro out or just convincing Bizarro to be his friend or get him a sandwich or something, mm. you know? That's uh, essentially the argument that Jeffrey Corbello takes uh, in the uh, comment section. He says Groot would start by saying, I am Groot. Bizarro would say, I am Groot. I am not Bizarro. This goes on for hours. Groot walks away. Bizarro declares, I am loser. Therefore, Groot wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eric Wait, says, if Bizarro says, me, I'm loser. That means he's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eric Ooh. says, me, no vote, vote Bizarro. Bizarro, not strong. Bizarro, not use heat vision to turn Groot into Roman candle. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Mark says, I'm tempted to say Bizarro since he has Superman's power set. But I feel like Groot is smarter and would find a way to outsmart Bizarro and win. That's kind of going with what Ashley had said a minute ago. Yeah. Um, Adam Mock says, Groot stands still. This confuses Bizarro. When Bizarro turns around, Groot wallops him. Bizarro turns around to see who hit him. Groot stands still. This goes on for like, uh, goes on like an Elmer Fudd cartoon until the big galoot is defeated. Classic. <laughs> Bizarro is, Bizarro am worst fighter. He am definitely lose Bourree. Oh, I miss Boo-Ray. <laughs> is, is that miniseries over? Are they uh, they going to bring it yeah. back? Does anybody yes. know? It's over. I wish they'd bring that back. It's like, Boo-Ray. That was so funny. I love that one. Uh, Ray says, uh, at his heart, Bizarro is a copy of Superman. At his heart, Groot is an oak tree. The rock beats scissors and <laughs> Superman beats oak tree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, there are other comments over there at Majorspoilers.com. Head over there and check out the comments. And you know what? Share your own thoughts on who would win in this fight between Bizarro and Groot. Matthew, how does it stand right now? I'm sorry. I'm still struck by that oak tree comment. That's deep, Ogre. Um, right now, I'm showing 88 votes in the bag, which means that a number of them are on one side and another number on the other. 57%. Voting for Bizarro, 43% voting for Groot, 100% of Matthew accidentally once again clicking away from the poll of the week right before we start talking about it because I'm an idiot. (laughs) You nailed it in that you knew that that's what he was going to do or or that Matthew (laughs) nailed it in doing that again and again and again for 660 consecutive weeks. Just say both. How many, first of all, we didn't do the pair of the week. And secondly, if you knew how many times I was vamping but didn't give it away, I think the number of times that I give it away and that I'm vamping is is pretty phenomenal when you think about it. Yeah, because you're pretty much constantly doing that. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Now imagine all the things that I'm vamping from. When I'm not vamping or you don't know that I'm vamping like right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tweaked Audio, is a, Tweaked Audio is a sponsor of this week's show. Go ahead, Go ahead Rodrigo. No, 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 no. Please. Uh, you want to listen to, you want to make sure you plug in your Tweaked Audio uh, earbuds so you can hear Rodrigo's next comment. All sorts of <laughs> styles, colors, and designs. Best of all, go to tweakedaudio.com when you use the checkout code MAJOR. You get 33% off your price. That's tweakedaudio.com. Rodrigo, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was I was just gonna keep the the whole like Matthew vamping thing going, but we're 
We're good. We're good. We're good. Let's talk about something else. Matthew likes to vamp as he tries to figure things out. I go for a live read. There you go. Yay. Yes. And you'll notice that your transitions and speaking of transitions. Uh, my transitions Let's are have awesome. Transitions. Here's an well, awesome transition. Uh, hi, Stephen, and anyone else. As a longtime listener, let me open by saying thanks for all you major spoilers folk do. My all wife right. is a collegiate librarian, and she and some colleagues are talking about putting together a display for Wonder uh, for Women's History Month about female comic characters and creators. My wife and I are both fans of various mainstream comic franchises, but we're woefully ignorant of most of what's out there beyond the most visible properties. So I thought I might ask the experts. The idea is basically to highlight a handful of female comic book characters. Most likely it would be one Marvel, one DC, and then two other figures. She also wants three or four authors or artists. I know there are hundreds out there, but just right off the top of your head, what would you suggest to both highlight the role of women in comics and also catch the interest of college-age audiences? Thank you so much and keep up the good work you do. I have another Uh, figure right off the top of my head. What's that? I have another figure. For the one Marvel, one DC, and other figures. Okay, who would you pick? In let's just Matthew. Who would you pick in your Marvel, DC, and then your others? Uh, I think for my Marvel, I would probably want to look at the extremely underrated and mal uh, used Susan Storm, mm, the okay. Invisible Woman. Okay. From DC, I would want to look at Ma Hunkel, the Red Tornado. Um, because she was actually present at the first meeting of the Justice Society of America, but didn't get to go in because she'd accidentally ripped her pants. And for another figure, I think it'd be interesting to look at Fantoma, Fletcher Hanks Fantoma, the first, arguably, asterisk, but most people agree, probably the first female superhero in history from like, I don't know, 1938 or 1940. Um, she's fascinating much as with everything that Fletcher Hanks does, it's not so over the top and a little bit bloodthirsty. And I think that's kind of fascinating too. Plus, you know, she's this pretty girl in a nice black dress who then powers up and gets a skull face and destroys you with her brain. Uh, I think for me, if I had to do one Marvel and there's so many good ones out there, I'm probably going to go with spider Gwen, especially if you're trying to track the college age audience, I'm going to go with spider Gwen for the Marvel on the DC side, man, I think I'm going to have to go with the classic Wonder Woman. And then for my two other figures, I think Red Sonia mm-hmm. as a female warrior. And then, um, gosh, who else is in the independent side? Vampirella. Eh, probably not Vampirella. A Girl Lumberjanes Kato. Saga. You could. Oh, uh, Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes, I would oh, put in my other categories. My That's fine. You can put that in there, too. <laughs> Ashley, who do you have? You have the Lumberjanes in there. Well, as someone who was recently a college-age student, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you a bunch of stuff that I like. Okay. Um, for my DC, I would probably go Supergirl because she is a character who's been around for some length, and mm-hmm. she's very visible right now in popular culture, so that's cool. Um, a lot of her um, older stuff really holds up. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, you know, it's less awkward than, you know, some other Golden Age stuff, Rip Hunter. So um, I think that she would be like a more accessible character um, compared to some of the others of, of, of the Golden Age. Uh, for Marvel, I would say Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. um, especially given, That's you know, uh, world relations at the moment yeah. and some people running for uh, the presidency. 
and it's awesome and it looks amazing. Uh, for others, I was going to say Lumberjanes, um, especially because they do name drop a lot of feminists and kind of hi- historical female icons. So if you're doing this for like, you know, Women's History Month, I think that that's a great tie in. Um, and then my other choice was going to be um, Nelvana of the Northern Lights, who was the first female Canadian superhero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and IDW has a really beautiful uh, restored collection of her works that came out either last year or the year before. Well, the year uh, before. And they are very cheesy, but they very much personify that idea of, you know, we're, we're moving away from... You know, we're just coming out of like the suffragette movement. What does that mean for the way we're going to portray women in media? And I think that there's a lot there that is still worth revisiting. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what about you? Who do you have on your Marvel, DC and other figures? Um, for uh, Marvel, I'd probably go with a uh, squirrel girl type. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. I think, you know, she's blowing up right now. It's a good time to be squirrel girl. For DC, um, probably Monster Girl. Nice. I'm. I, I think uh, you know she doesn't get as much play as she should. Uh, also, she might be dead. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I, th- th- that all the young heroes get killed. I don't know. None of them th- got killed, but they are creator owned, and no uh, one's entirely sure. I think the stories belong to DC, but the characters belong to the creators. All right. Well, in any case, that that does make it that does mean that young heroes in love is in fact a succinct group of trades that you can probably put up at a library. Um and then for other um you can really uh put uh, you know show people what it is to look at and be simultaneously drawn to and repulsed by an independent comic by putting up Tank Girl. <laughs> Oh, there you go. That's a good one. It is um, a very good one. I was going to say Ms. Marvel, but I was also surprised no one said uh, Captain Marvel mm-hmm. uh, currently. Um, I think that would be really interesting. And then mm-hmm. Batgirl, I think, is more in line with maybe some college age recognition yeah. as well. I also think, I think Silk like, would be a good one, too. And then you get a little more diversity in your comics mm-hmm. casting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Next Wave was mostly a joke, mm-hmm. but... It has some re- great characters and some real conversations about what it's like to be like a lady in comics <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and like superhero in the superhero world and having to like yeah. put up with guys like Cable. Yes. The Captain Marvel uh, Monica discussions mm-hmm. in Next Wave are hysterical. I used to lead the Avengers. Yeah, look where that got you. Yeah. I mean, you could also go and visit like anything that Louise Simonson did. She's probably mm-hmm. one of the most influential yeah. female creators, and she's got a really kick-ass Thor run. Mm-hmm. And certainly, yeah, Louise did great stuff. If yeah. you're looking for writers, you can't go wrong with Gail Simone, focusing on her. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if you're looking at artists, I would say two names: uh, Ramona Fraden, who did a lot of Silver Age work for DC. I believe she created Metamorpho. She did a long run on Aquaman. She did a bunch of coloring and a bunch of art for DC. And then there's Marie Severin, mm. who was at Marvel. Marie drew Hulk for several years. And Marie was one of those things where she would actually sign it M. Severin. So people in the 1960s mm. didn't realize mm-hmm. that it was M for Marie. But she did just amazing work. Uh, I, I think her brother 
was also an artist and sometimes they would work together and they together their work is just gorgeous it's like butter yeah uh don't forget fantastic artwork by fiona staples and, archie uh, yes and i think amy Wu. i think is the other one that just did some archie stuff Both annie Fanta. annie, annie Wu. yeah annie the Bla- black canary artist yeah yeah just fantastic mm-hmm. stuff there uh ashley wow. you have any artists that jump into your mind um, I would say on the more independent side, Alison Bechtel, mm-hmm. who did um, Dykes to Watch Out for Fun Home, which was just turned into the musical, and Are You My Mother? She writes and illustrates all of her stuff, and they're all autobiographical, which I think is nice. Rodrigo? Um, right now, uh, Carmen Carnera is doing the uh, Dragon Age book, the newest Dragon Age book. That looks pretty good. Um, I really like Joelle Jones right oh, now. I love her. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously uh, Ming Doyle, who oh yeah, Ming writes mm-hmm. and um, and draws. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti's uh, Amanda, Amanda, Palmer. Connor. Amanda Connor. Amanda Connor. Amanda Connor. Holy crap, yeah. she is fantastic. Um, yeah. Tess Fowler's Probably. is the new mm-hmm. Rat Queens artist. She's great. Megan oh, yes. Levins is great. We could include Colleen Rat Dora. Queens. Rat Queens could be another others characters if you want. True. Yeah. Definitely, you got to talk about Colleen Doran. She's been around for decades at this point. I think like thirty years. Have we not have we not reviewed Rat Queens on this show? Oh, I don't think so. Man, we're gonna have to I'm gonna put that on the list. I love it so much. I know, so do I. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've read it yet. Oh my gosh, it is so freaking good. It is so good. Um I, I think I reviewed it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you did. You did, and that's what it triggered me because I just that past weekend I had burned through the first two trades of that mm-hmm. and had just fallen in love with it then. So yeah, we'll definitely have to hit that on the list. Anyway, uh, let's see. What was the other part of the question there at the end? Um, but, 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 what did you say? But highlight the role of women. Uh, let's see. I think we got it. I think we got everything. Um, Hopefully, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, just, I mean it's, it's a lot of people it's think like that characters, writers, and artists. Mm-hmm. You know? If you want to stretch past American, uh, Rumiko Takahashi is one of the most popular and mm-hmm. well sold artists in the world. She created Ranma, she created. Uh, what is that one thing with uh, Inuyasha? Oh, anyone. And don't forget Clamp, right? Yeah, Clamp is all ladies, an all mm-hmm. lady collective. And then mm-hmm. I can't think of the name of. Never mind. I don't want to sit here pretending do I know we, what I'm talking about. Do we about. do Kelly Sue DeConnick yet? No. Nope. No, nope. nope. she should be there. She's good. I mean, it's obviously, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff. You may not think that there are that many female creators out there. I mean, there could obviously be a lot more. But oh, they're, um, they're there are so many great ones right now. I mean, we've got one right here on our show. Actually, Victoria Robinson is, is a comic book. Writer. Hey, that's a true fact. <laughs> With hopefully an announcement coming soon. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, is it a new, new coloring for a DC uh, for, for all their comic book covers? Yeah, they love my Periscope so much that now I'm a colorist. <laughs> I'm so sorry to every colorist out there for implying that. <laughs> I, I want to I want to do more coloring, uh, not just from. Not just from the, uh, you know, the coloring with crayons or pencils or inks like that, but like some digital coloring. I've been trying to follow a couple of uh, colorists, have a bunch of tutorials online where they're discussing their process and their their methods and everything. And it's very fascinating uh, to get into. It's not just... It's not just coloring within the lines. There's a lot of yeah, work going like on. Yeah, like flatting is a whole science onto yeah, itself. Yeah, well, that's what, you know, a lot of people who wanted to get into coloring, this is where I kind of got this idea that I want to learn more about is it's like there is a whole world um, open for people who just want to do flats mm-hmm. and that artists will or colorists will hire people just to flat all their art for them ahead of time. But you have to do it in such a way that, 
you'll get hired again. But if you can do it fast, there's some money to be made that way. Yeah, Paulina Ganachow, who's um, on Zodiac Star Force, and she's got that Princess Peach book oh, that yeah, yeah. Just is opening at Oni. She uses a, a flatter for all of her stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, when you get good at it, I want to know what your rates are. <laughs> I, I think they said, I think it was like 50 bucks a page or something. I, that may be too high, that's, but that's one person was quoting like 50 bucks a page. <laughs> but you had to work yeah. fast. I mean, you had to do like turnarounds super quick. And then he was showing. Well, I know some, like Jordi Belair, who's, I don't know if she flats, but I know she's a colorist. She's coloring like 90 books right now. Holy crap. <laughs> so she must be fast. Yeah, yeah. Holy crap. That's a lot. Yeah. Then I was looking at some of the things like um, you look at some of these great artists like Fiona Staples, where they might have really intricate details like books on a wall or something in, in the ship or something. And it's mm-hmm. like each one of those books have to be flatted and done in such a way so the colors can go in and add everything else that they need to do. And it's like, holy crap, that would take a long time. So yep. a lot of respect to people who are doing that stuff. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Matthew, this must be yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your favorite villain lacking a, corpor- a corporeal form? That one's that mine. One. Oh, that's Rodrigo's. Okay. Rodrigo, who's yeah. your favorite character lacking a corporeal form? I guess it has to be a villain, not a character. Sure. Well, usually it's villains that end up that way, right? You very mm-hmm. rarely have a hero who lacks a corporeal form. There are some, but usually in some way they then gain a corporeal form, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in some rare instances, like a firestorm, it's like, okay, one of one of these guys, like, or like they don't or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah, you got guys like the Shadow King, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like technically, you know, Gladys from Portal, um, mm-hmm. you know, like all of these uh, weird villains that just don't have a body. And it's it's I think it's a trope that happens frequently enough that, you know, y- you can actually think about it and, 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 you know, actually think about it as a trope. There's the Machine Smith from Captain America. Uh, who possesses machines. For a long time, Quasimodo from Fantastic Four comics didn't have a body. Then when right. he got one, it was horribly misshapen. And then, who's of course, that, uh, who's the uh, Batman villain? He was in uh, Batman Brave and the Bold where he's powering himself up. It's like X and XXX. Dr. Double X. Dr. Double X. Okay. Yes. Yeah, p- he part of him, he's kind of like Firestorm. His, his energy second form. Then there's David Lee Roth, who ain't got no body. Mm-hmm. Boji, boji, bop. Diddy, bop. <laughs> Uh, there was that one Scooby-Doo monster that was like, uh, um, lightning electricity fire monster. The 10,000 volt ghost. Yes, exactly. I See, mean, Stephen, I, I this would is have why to... we're friends. You have an idea and I remember what it was called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say that I would have to go Sauron post second age from Lord of the Rings. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, that's a great example. Yeah. And, and then his later ripoff Voldemort who spends most of his time without a body. Yes. Well, and and if you look at if you look at a guy like Sauron, who is mostly incorporeal, affects everyone, but and is largely represented by a big red eye, you have to look at Hal Nine Thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. for real! Like, really, one of the quintessential villains without a corporeal form. I can't do that, Dave. To some degree, I think Gozer should count. I mean. Interesting. Throughout that whole mm-hmm. movie, they're trying to keep Gozer from from taking form, and of course, when Gozer does take form, bad things happen. I uh, finally put together. Speaking of uh, Ghostbusters, I mm. finally finished that dang Ghostbusters Lego uh, firehouse set. 
Oh, how many pieces was that? Almost 5,000 pieces. But when you look at all the spare parts, it's well over 5,000 because I, I bet I had a good handful of little tiny parts. And that's, that's 50 or 60 right there. And that would put it well over the 5,000 mark. 13 minifigures in this set. That includes the four Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. uh, Janine. Nice. Uh, what's his name? Tully. Louis uh, Tully. Louis Tully. Dana um, in her um, already possessed form. There is no Dana. There is no Dana, only Zool. Uh, you have like a zombie cab driver, a who else? Oh, there's the librarian ghost from early in the Interesting. movie. Interesting. And the then Slimer. There, Slimer is in there, and then there are two little ghosts in there. I think that's it. That's 12, yeah. It's And it was an incredibly... Towards the end, I got really bored and kind of angry at the set because it's a <laughs> it's a giant rectangular building, and all you're doing is just going up and up and up and up and up, and you have to put these little bricks that, uh, for the design. You know how they have the... Like, you might have red brick, and then you have the big gray bricks that outline a window or something like that. You have to put all those studs on there for each one of those. And there's probably, about, there's probably about there's probably about three hundred of those. So is that oh, like wait. on a hinge? Can you open it? Yes, you can open it. It's double hinged, so you can see inside. There's three floors to it. On the first floor, of course, is what we've seen from the movie. There's a locker to put your proton packs in. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You've got Janine's desk and another desk and a bookshelf behind that. You have the uh, the ghost containment unit mm-hmm. uh, there as well. Uh, then you then there's actual stairs in there, so you can go up to the second floor, which has a living quarters, a laboratory. And uh, a kitchen area, and then does it have the, the fire pole. On, that does have a fire pole that does work. You can put your little minifigures on there, and they spin. I think this is a new piece that Lego has introduced. It's really kind of a ingenious how they do it, uh, because when it slides down or when it goes down, it spins because it's on a spiral for the pole. But then mm-hmm. when you raise it up, instead of rewinding it back up, you just simply raise up, and there's kind of an internal uh, winder on it. That lets it spin freely as you lift up on the on the handle or the minifigure to take it back up to the top. The top floor has, like yeah, uh, the top floor has a pool table and Egon's lab, mm-hmm. um, and there's lots of little little pieces like uh, furniture pieces, mm-hmm. um, kitchen appliance type stuff. There's Couple a of focused non-terminal repeating phantasms. Yes, there's a Ghostbusters video game arcade video game that's in there, and mm. then. Um, then they have a little computer that has uh, Tully uh, whenever he's – you can see the the monster inside of him. They have a little screen of that that you can put on one of the computer pieces. Okay. What color is Egon's hair? It's brown. Um, if you remember okay. seeing the, um, the Ghostbusters idea uh, Ecto-1 set that I put together, mm-hmm. the minifigures are exactly the same except for two changes on it. Uh, the Ghostbusters have patches on their arms and elbows in this new set. And um, – uh, Ray's character has slime on his face. That's the <laughs> I only bet difference. You can find yourself a nice uh, blonde kind of pom. Yeah, uh, if you if you want them hair. to be oh, the, yeah, real, you wanted the Ghostbusters. real Ghostbusters, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you yeah. could. I'm sure you, you could. Uh, I'll, I'm almost done shooting all of the B-roll and foot and uh, photos of the set, so I can put the edit together. It's taken me about three weeks to try to get everything because there's so much little stuff in there. I'm surprised at how many spares they gave me when I did the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got like a whole bucket of spare pieces. Oh, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, they try to, especially on some rarer pieces, 
Like um, if you've got a Batarang, for example, they'll throw in a couple of extras of those because either A, they're expecting you to lose one, or there could be a chance that one fell out during the packaging, which is pretty rare. Um, but generally with a gun or a wrench or something like that, you're always going to get a spare in with those. And then I think they try to include 1% more of the smaller bricks. Like if you have a little one by one stud, they'll try to include two or three of those in there as spares. All the little, the little round clear plastic ones that are red and green and blue. Yeah. 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 They didn't give me two BBBBs either. No, they're not going to do that with characters. That would be interesting if you got an extra character slipped in there. His head is teeny tiny and can yes, it fly is. off. It is. I've got the BB-8 from um, Poe's um, um, X-Wing fighter that came with that. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess we're outside of the spoilers uh, review for Star Wars. And everybody here awesome. has seen it, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So sure. there's a big kind of underground, not really underground anymore, about uh, is Poe homosexual or not? And even if... Uh, Lucas and J.J. Abrams had not intended for the character to be um, to be gay. Mm-hmm. Is it to the point now where so much of the fan base expects him to be that they have to turn that character or make the character gay in the in the upcoming movies? That's ridiculous. I don't know about have to make. Here's the thing: there's one romance in Star Wars, and that's Leia and Luke Han. and Leia. Oh, I'm sorry, Leia and Han. And pretty much no one else has a romantic subplot um, because, you know, there were only three movies. I don't know why they've numbered this one seven because it's the fourth movie. But I I don't know if you have to. I honestly, I understand why certainly people would want them to. Because after years and years of nothing but subtext and, you know, code words like woman with a library card, I, I, I think, you know, the world is ready if they want Poe Dameron to come out, the problem that you're going to run into is if the creators didn't intend that. Right. You know, if the, if the writer and the actors aren't all on board with this, this can be one of those things that can go horribly bad because if they, if they try and insert something like that and do it poorly, I think it's going to actually end up being a huge, huge problem. But I think it's truly wonderful how much people are really selling into reading this and, and reading into one shot yeah yeah taking so much and and taking so much of that subtext and really projecting their own wants and projecting their own thought process onto the movie that's what a movie should be as far as i'm concerned is something that you can really take and say yes this is awesome and here's why and this this appeals to me or this represents me and here's why and honestly, the scene that they're that they're playing, I can't say that it doesn't look like the actor didn't intend it. Ashley, I just I've been burned in a couple of properties that I I like pretty hard um, on creators. Um, I will say pandering to what the fans want. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so I am very much against that. I get it when you see it. But for my money, what The Force Awakens is and what it sets up is an exact copy of the original trilogy. And if you don't think that Poe is supposed to be the Han analog, I think that's a bit naive of you. Um, I mean, I really honestly don't care. But I also 
the the mean part of me is like, oh, that's cute that you think because you put something on your Twitter that it's going to change anything. Like all of the <laughs> that movies are the, the eighth yeah, movie is yeah. almost almost already shot. Right, right. The scripts are already done. Just because a bunch of people make fan art isn't going to change anything. And I mean, I've seen fan art of just about every DC Comics character having sex with the other one, and no one has come out as you know. Fifty years later, I'm secretly gay. Right. I think it would be cool if they did. I think it's beyond time that this franchise has more representation in ethnicity and gender and in sexuality but i don't think it's going to be for one of the three leads that have already been introduced i just i don't okay rodrigo what are you what are your reactions to this yeah if you say you know do are are, are the creators going to feel enough pressure to do this the answer is of course no um, it is a thousand times safer to have everyone in this movie be heterosexual um, and aside from the fact that the basically the two leads of the movie are a black dude and a lady, um, the that's about as far as the risks go as far as The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens is a very safe movie. Mm-hmm, it yeah. goes through all the beats that we already liked from all the movies that we already liked. Like... They are, at least that one, they were playing it safe. So I really don't see them taking any further risks. Then again, this goes to a different director, right? It's uh, episode uh, eight. Yeah, it's yes, not movie. going to be Abrams. Right. The, it's, it's, it's a Trevor script Rowe. written by the same person. Mm-hmm. They're, I think they're both written by Abrams, the okay. next two episodes. Or he right. oversaw so, it. Right. So, you know, there's a chance for that sort of thing. But... I mean, I I wouldn't hold my breath for Poe to turn out to be gay. You know, it it makes a lot of sense, both in what you see, but also because out of the four main new characters that we meet, he's the one with the least screen time. Mm -hmm. You know, you can always point to the character with the least screen time, (laughs) the fewer lines, as the one that people are like, well, maybe he's gay. And that's because they, you know, or maybe he's anything, you know. There's more room for interpolation. There yeah. is. There is. Absolutely. People just, I mean, literally in, I think, uh, for example, um, you know, not not to make this totally about us, but in, in Critical Hit, a big part of the people, I think the people who love Smith love him because he said very little and he was right. there for a lot less time than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So you can add a lot of stuff to what Smith was about, what he was doing, what he was thinking, because you actually don't hear that much from Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, everybody. Here's the third act of the dream. <laughs> what, what is what is the actress's name? Bria Grant or Bree Grant? I think it's Bria. What, what actress? Uh, the one that was the super speedster on Heroes. I think it's Bria Grant is how you say her name. Anyway, she was the she's the singer in this piece. Um, but you know how and some of you may have done this or been ex- experienced this where you go and it's like a a play that's done in an apartment. But the play goes throughout all the rooms. And depending on where you're at in the apartment, you're getting different aspects of the story. Have you guys heard of that or uh, have seen that or participated in something like that? Yeah, that started with um, Look Back in Anger. That was a thing in like the 50s. Okay, all right. So for whatever reason, this was taking place in like inside of an apartment building. But depending on which room you were in, you got a different aspect of the story. But it's a musical that you could hear someone singing in another room and hear it in that in that room that you were in. And 
hear other people reacting to that throughout the apartment building. It was a very short sequence, but it was like, that is an interesting way to do something like that, both from a play standpoint, but also would it work as a musical or not? And it spent a better part of a, of an afternoon thinking about that after I woke up that morning. Um, that it little dream be, sequence. It'd be hard it because be, of the way frequencies travel through things, but absolutely. Yeah. That would be the biggest problem is tweaked that out. distance. Yeah. The distance and the way that frequencies travel through objects would be mm-hmm. difficult because you would end up in rooms, I think where, um, oh, yeah, it would be so people, muffled. yeah, people, you would just hear somebody harmonizing with nothing because mm-hmm. presumably all of the people involved would have some sort of audio device right, that allowed right. them to hear what was happening. And that's what, and that's what I thought too, would be the rooms, even though you're supposed to be hearing in another room, because that was my point. I was like, how am I hearing her sing upstairs? And, and someone points over to the fireplace, which was actually kind of like a sound trap that was letting sound come into the room. Mm-hmm. You you could do it. Um, and this is, this is going to be telling. You could do it like the sequence in the middle of pitch perfect where all the girls are singing one song. And then Anna Kendrick starts singing a different song in the same pitch and in the same uh, kind well, of, I meter. mean, this was just like an, Totally different places from one another. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I mean, you could certainly and do medleys. They're and all actually that kind of stuff. different songs. Yeah, being sung at the same time to where they kind of interplay and intertwine with each other. And I think that would be that would be awesome. It would be incredibly difficult to pull off. It would, but I wonder what the entertainment factor would be. Meaning that as you're observing this stuff, and by the way, the title of the musical is called "A Brand New Day." Just so mm-hmm. you know. Oh, um, you can't do that. Godspell people turn. come down on you like a bag uh, of hammers. No. That's... Also, um, Dr. Horrible. Maybe, but it's not the same song. Also, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yes. Turn off the dark. <laughs> turn off the turn dark, Stephen. <laughs> but it's just, it was just weird that that uh, popped into my dream. But I was just like, that is, would be an interesting way to experience a musical performance. Not a play performance, but a musical performance. And yes, I don't... I'm, I don't know if, afraid, if you could pull uh, it off or if anyone's ever done that before. I'm afraid, Stephen, that the fact that you could hear stuff from other places in that apartment that you were in means mm-hmm. that you were, in fact, diagetically in a musical. Yes, I yeah. was. And because if I, you were seeing the technical aspects of it, you were actually in the yeah. musical. I know. And the weird part was I was supposed to be in the musical, but I had showed up. And this kind of ties back into the part one of the dream, which I haven't talked about. But I showed up and they were, and uh, so Bria was like, okay. Uh, get ready. We're about ready to go. And I was like, really? I don't know where I'm supposed to be. She goes, you already know the music. Just come in when you're supposed to come in. And I was like, okay. And then, and then it starts then up. It was, it was finals. And I had no, been to no, class no, it, was, all it wasn't, it wasn't like that. No, 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 no. It wasn't, it wasn't any kind of nightmare. It was like that. It was just like, here's this reassurance that you know what you're doing, even though you don't think you do just go ahead and do it. And I was like, okay, cool. And it, so I just went along with it. And then the alarm went off and the kids started making noise and everything was ruined. Yeah. See, that's interesting. Cause I have, I basically have three nightmares ever and those, and they're the same nightmares. It's either I'm in a play and I don't know my lines. Mm-hmm. I suddenly remember that I haven't been to a class all semester and I have to take a final or it's like for some reason I agreed to play in a soccer alumni game and now I have to like go do that. Like and they're all basically the same as like I am not prepared for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah. No, I I understand those dreams. This definitely wasn't There's that kind of a dream. Why but I'm irritable every fall though. The, the, because the, I keep feeling like I need to go and re- register for classes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was just a just a nice musical, musical dream experience. 
you guys have musical dream experiences that have song and dance numbers that are totally not real songs? Oh yeah. Your, your brain fills in to where the next day you try to remember the songs and the songs don't really exist. It's, it's that thing that I have all the time where I dream that I'm in a relationship with somebody and then I wake up and my brain takes a while to remember that I'm not actually in a relationship with that person. And it gets really awkward when, you know, she texts you at 7.30 that morning and I'm like, wait, you are not my girlfriend. I've been married for 25 years. So where does the singing and dancing part come into that? That would be awkward. Yeah. yeah that happens yeah. all the time. Ashley, it's do you have any of those thing. kind of dreams? Um, I don't have musical dreams, but I have dreams in, um, or I guess my interpretation of uh, languages that I don't speak. Ah, okay. Um. And I, I don't have the, I'm in a play and I don't know my lines. I have the, I'm a minor part of a play and the lead is ill and I have to be the lead now. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. know like half the lines. <laughs> yeah. The left half. Um, yeah. And I have a lot of my teeth falling out <laughs> dreams. That's yes, my number teeth one falling out, Teeth falling out dreams uh, actually does have a real significance. I have those, yes, those dreams Teeth falling too. out dreams are generally anxiety about yeah. money um, yep. in most in- interpretations. Yep. Story of my life. There you go. All right, listeners, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you, Ashley, for uh, joining us once again. Ashley, where can people find you? They can find me <laughs> on Twitter at Ashley V. Robinson, uh, where everyone is tweeting their concerns at me. You can also find me uh, on Major Spoilers. You can find me co-hosting Geek History Lesson, and you can find the last two episodes of The Red Shirt Diaries at theredshirtdiaries.com. All right, Matthew Peterson, where can people find you? Right now, I'm just to the right of the Christmas tree that I wish I'd taken down. Sometimes you can find me down on 10th Street, which is where I have to park my van. Most of the time, at Mighty King Cobra on the Twitter, which is how I keep from strangling my workplace friends and acquaintances who spend three hours talking about whether the streets are bad while the calls are back-to-back. But again, not bitter. And Rodrigo, what's going on with you and where can people find you? Uh, You can find me at Fearsome Critter on Twitter. Uh, magicturtle.tumblr.com or actually nowadays I actually have an Amazon author page. There you go. And don't forget to check out The Tale of Tallest Rabbit or Tale of Tallest Rabbit over Mm -hmm. on Amazon. Buy it. It's at a reduced price. So there you go. Uh, Thank you for being uh, part of the Major Spoilers Experience, dear listener. And we're going to be back next week because we know that you love comics. We do too. And we will talk with you soon. Bad the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
a raven race like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. Whoa, 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 whoa. What a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.